0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Are You Fucking Shitting Me? I'm Rachel.
1: And I'm April. How's it going? Good. Did you have a nice Thanksgiving?
0: I had a great Thanksgiving. It was super fun, delicious food. I loved it. Us
1: too. Yeah, we cooked a lot, which was great. Always cooked way too much food. But, you know, I felt a little um, remiss, or I'm I'm feeling a little guilty about Thanksgiving. Uh Uh-oh. Just because I feel like we did not bring up anything about the true history of Thanksgiving. Oh. And talk about what it really means for America and just kind of gloss that by. I just thought maybe next year we could do something where we talk about a little bit about what Thanksgiving might mean for other people who don't really believe in the holiday. Sure.
0: I think that that would be a great idea.
1: Which doesn't mean that I'm not thankful for (laughs) Thanksgiving and I use it as a day to be grateful for things Mm -hmm. and eat a lot of food. But, um, But I just wanted to be conscious of other people.
0: I think that's very kind.
1: So what are we talking about today?
0: So today we're talking about the opposite end of memory when we get older. So most people think about how their memory goes. We talk about Alzheimer's, which is a very important subject. But I found out about a group of people called super agers.
1: That sounds great. So what are they or are we going to find out from our guest? We'll
0: find out. I've brought in an amazing expert, Emily Rogalski of Northwestern University, and she's going to tell us more about it.
1: Let's listen.
2: I'm Emily Rogalski, and I am a neuroscientist by training. I am Associate Director of our NIA-funded Alzheimer's Disease Center, so our Alzheimer's Disease Center that is funded by the National Institute on Aging. I also direct the neuroimaging program here at Northwestern uh, Alzheimer's Disease Center and I uh, directed the super aging program as well as a program on a rare dementia called primary progressive aphasia where we offer an imaging program for observational studies and an intervention program to try to uh, assist with connecting them with speech language therapy.
0: Before we jump into the superagers, can you uh, explain how the human brain normally changes as it ages?
2: Yeah. So when we think about the human brain and the experience of aging, it's kind of similar to what we observe with other aspects of aging on average. So when we think about aging, uh, we tend to think about the, the bad news, the bad things that happen. So just like our eyesight tends to get a bit worse with age, our skin tends to get a little bit more wrinkly or and our hair tends to turn gray or fall. Uh, There's also changes that seem to happen to the brain that are associated with aging. And on average, uh, memory is one of those areas that's vulnerable to aging, and when we compare individuals in in their 80s compared to individuals in their 60s, we expect that on average, memory performance will decline over those decades. In fact, we even think that our memory performance tends to peak in our 20s and 30s, and that things tend to go a bit downhill from there, which is a pretty glim (laughs) reality.
0: Yeah. Can you explain what a super
2: Superager is in comparison? Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about superaging, what we wanted to do was sort of challenge those notions of what always happens in aging versus what is possible in aging. On average, memory performance tends to decline over the decades. But when you look at actual individuals, you see a a little bit of a different story. You see that there's a lot of variability with aging. So as we get older, the variability in performance also widens so that there are some individuals who appear to be able to maintain outstanding memory performance. So memory performance at least as good as individuals who are decades younger than them, even when they're over age 80. And so this notion that it might be possible to maintain great memory performance in older age was something that we wanted to explore. And... The reasons for doing this are uh, several fold, but most importantly at our center, we are interested in Alzheimer's dementia and trying to understand what happens in Alzheimer's dementia, but also uh, as we search for a cure and search for optimal aging, One way to study Alzheimer's dementia is to look at what's going wrong with the brain and then try to to reverse that. Another way to look at what's happening in Alzheimer's dementia is to identify people who are at the opposite end of the spectrum, people who have not only avoided Alzheimer's dementia, but individuals who are doing extraordinarily well and say, well, what can we learn from them? And that's how the the concept of the superaging study was born. And then... As a scientist, we also have to specify specific rules for what we are studying, so that it makes it a, a scientifically sound and potentially reproducible study and rigorous. And so the rules for the super aging study are that we're looking for individuals who are over age 80, who have memory performance at least as good as individuals in their 50s and 60s. And we choose age 80 because that's a point where individuals, merely by getting older, are at the greatest risk for what we call normal age-related memory loss, and they're at a great risk for Alzheimer's dementia. And we're interested in seeing if we could identify people who could maintain the type of memory that is often lost in the aging process and in Alzheimer's dementia at over age 80 compared to 50 to 60 year olds. So the Northwestern Super Aging Project is a, a relatively um, large project that has several sub-studies in it. And over the years, we've asked different questions about the health and integrity of the superagers' brains or other biological questions related to them, and as well as psychosocial questions related to superaging and genetic questions. And one of the first biological questions we asked was, okay, we've got individuals who are over age 80, but their memory performance is least as good as individuals in their 50s and 60s. So what do their brains look like when we look at MRI scans? Do they look more similar to individuals who they share the same chronologic age to? So do they look similar to 80-year-old brains, or do they look more similar to individuals in their 50s and 60s who they share memory performance levels with? And what we see there is that compared to average 80-year-olds, the super-agers' brains look better. So there's significant thinning in the cortex of individuals who are average agers. And then when we look at the super agers compared to 50 to 60-year-olds, we see that there's no significant difference in the thickness of the cortex of the brain. So essentially, the 50-year-old brains look similar to those of the super agers. And then we found one other thing which was really surprising is that kind of deep in the brain and in an area called the anterior cingulate, we found that the superager brains were actually thicker than the 50 to 60-year-old brain. So despite being 30 years older, we found that the superagers had brains that were, were thicker in this particular region of the anterior cingulate. And when we look at the thickness of the brain, it's giving a proxy measure of the the health of the brain. But so usually, at this point, individuals say, "Well, what's the anterior cingulate? What does it do? How do I get a thicker one? And will this make me a superager?" Uh, and I don't know how to answer all of those questions, um, <laughs> but I can I can start to tell you that we were intrigued by this, and we know that the anterior cingulate is particularly helpful for uh, attention and having good attention is a critical element. So if I were to uh, ask my husband to go to the grocery store and I was giving him a list of items, but then I realized that halfway through he was watching a football game and his favorite team had, had scored a touchdown, when he went to the store later, he would probably find that he couldn't remember any of those things on the grocery list. And that's not because he has poor memory, but it's probably because his attention was directed at the football game rather than at the grocery items um, that I was sharing with him. Um, so we hear research about not doing too much multitasking, and this isn't work that's been done directly in our lab, but the importance of kind of uh, focusing on, on the task at hand to certainly yield better results than kind of mind wandering um, when you're trying to get something done. One of the things that we ask in the superaging Program is it's a longitudinal study, which means we follow people over time. So we ask them to come back and visit us and do paper and pencil tests. We ask them to uh, complete MRI or PET scans of the brain. We also ask that they donate blood so we can look at genetic factors related to superaging and we take detailed information about their family history, medical history, and some other psychosocial features about their life, diet, exercise, those types of things. The other thing that we ask is that they donate their brains at the time of death. And so this allows us to see with greater clarity the molecular and cellular features related to superaging. And when we've done some initial studies of superagers, we see that anterior cingulate region of the brain tends to have more of a type of neuron called von Economo neurons. In our brain, it consists of uh, brain cells, and the brain cells are called neurons. And there are lots of different types of neurons, In von Economo's neurons are a large neuron and they've only been described in two places in the human brain. One of those areas is in the anterior cingulate. For sort of this reason, we focused on this area and we found that the superagers have four to five times the number of Von Economo neurons compared to average agers. So this is another wow. feature of the superager brains.
0: Wow. four yeah. that That's intense. Have you found that this is solely genetic or are there implications that the average person can do certain things to help their brain stay useful.
2: The super aging study is still ongoing, and we 're still learning features and factors that may play a role in becoming a superager and i don 't know that there 's one particular recipe um, and just like many things there's there 's probably not one magic bullet, so um, eating you know two cups of blueberries alone isn 't <laughs> <laughs> isn't likely to be some sort of magic bullet. Now, eating blueberries, though, is, is also thought to be helpful. So I think it, in a, the way in which you become a superager doesn't have to necessarily be identical from one person to the next, but what we're trying to understand are factors and features that, are, that h- hold in common with these superagers and that they may lead us to really important things to look at with relation to Alzheimer's dementia and maintaining optimal aging. Our genetic studies are ongoing. And, and certainly genetics are likely to play a role. But we have started to look at some psychosocial aspects related to the superagers. And there we see in a, a recent report that was led by one of my graduate students, Amanda Cook, uh, we found that superagers tended to report greater levels of positive relations with others. If you think we compared the superagers, again, to a group of ad, average 80% plus year old. And we see that the superagers, when given the survey, tended to endorse higher levels of positive relations with others. And so this is something that maybe you can take home and think about the importance of social relationships and maintaining those relationships. And that seems to be something that fits with the literature that has been out there about uh, avoiding loneliness and maintaining uh, strong social connections, which has, which has been shown time and time again to be important for our health. You know, the Super really continue to wow me um, each and every time that I meet them, and that has really been a real treasure in my life to just meet these outstanding individuals who are over age 80 and really thriving in life, and I think we have a lot lot to learn from them interpersonally and um, with how active they are, uh, how engaged in life they are, and it really underscores the importance of not just thinking about the negative aspects of aging. So this idea that we build up these expectations that we're going to get worse over time, then when those expectations become a reality, it's not so surprising. Perhaps if we're able to set our expectations a little bit higher in aging and we don't just focus on the negative consequences of aging, but the possibilities of living long and living well... Uh, we can start to believe that reality a bit more and we'll have um, more positive outcomes. And I think the super-agers are such a a wonderful example of living long and living well. Scientifically, we continue to be amazed by what we learn from the brains of super-agers. I mean, the the first result that the super-agers' brains look more like 50-year-old brains than than their 80-year-old peers really blew our minds, and then it's just continued to snowball from there that there really seem to be unique, both biological and psychosocial aspects related to these individuals, and that they have the opportunity to to teach us a lot. I guess one thing to mention is that we're still looking for superagers. Right now, we are limited to the relative Chicagoland area or people that are interested in uh, traveling to the Chicagoland area, so if someone thinks they know a SuperAger and they would be interested in participating in our research, we would be glad to hear from them. Uh, I've received wonderful stories from all over the globe, really, of examples of SuperAgers, and that's always an impressive and heartwarming um, experience.
0: Wow! Fun, right?
1: Yeah, really fun.
0: I know that there's no magic bullet to become a super ager, but if blueberries were magic bullets, they'd be the most delicious bullets ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to start eating blueberries every day.
0: I did go out and buy some right away. Well, I, there's got to be other foods too, right? I mean... Well, I th- it sounds like it's a mixture of stuff, so we'd have to yeah. look at the rundown. I also think it's really cool that a positive community... And connection to your community is great.
1: Yeah, I, it says a lot about how loneliness and isolation can be really bad for your
0: health. I know. And I used to always want to be a little hermit. So <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go that route.
1: Well, the other thing is maybe that does work for some people.
0: <laughs> for some people, yeah. Everybody's different. I like the emphasis of positive also. Because there's a, been a great calling in my personal life of negative community
1: yeah, that's true. Keeping the people close to you who are the most uh, positive for you or the yeah. most beneficial for you. You know, it sounded like also a positive attitude was also another important factor. So it sounds as if superagers don't think that they're going to lose their memory, right? It kind of sounds like they they're they're more prone to think this maybe won't affect me Uh, you know because i always think i'm losing my memory (laughs) yeah and so i'm always like oh my god that's i'm getting older and i'm losing my memory and it's just going to get worse from here but maybe i need to not think that way and think okay i'm just going to be the anomaly and i'm going to be the one that doesn't have the bad memory
0: sure i mean i'm sure that that's a factor right the power of positive thinking but also Mm -hmm. it's an argument um against the theory of expect the worst and then you're happily surprised when it doesn't happen Why, why not expect the best
1: yeah exactly and also why spend so much time worrying about getting older
0: I don't know you know the reason that I found this subject was because I was like I feel like I'm getting dumber as I age <laughs> and um super embarrassing but I went ahead and took an online IQ test oh yeah and I had taken several maybe 15 years ago and I don't believe in them. I think they're really stupid. Um, but I also kind of like a horoscope was like, oh, it'll be fun. Yeah. And the I got like 15 points less than I did 15 years ago. And I was like, shit, I'm losing a point a year. <laughs> but then I was like, well, let's look if, if this is really something. And I came across super agers. And then the funny thing is, is I just watched this great episode on um, from Adam Ruins Everything. And. If you guys don't watch this show, find it. It's, it's really so, great.
1: He's so informative and so funny.
0: So funny and so much great information. But he was talking about IQ tests and um, how that they're racially biased. They're um, economically biased. They were originally used only for children in France to see if they were ready for the next grade, like elementary school children to go into first grade. And then um, this super racist dude used it to try to prove that people that were not white were lesser. And so the questions tend to be biased for your socioeconomic or your cultural, um, what you know. So sure. IQ tests, totally full of shit, and it makes me feel better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I just took the GRE, yeah. which I did terrible on, Aww. even though I studied and my practice test I did pretty good on. Um, I mean, math, I didn't do good on and I didn't expect to, and whatever, it's math.
0: Damn your expectations, (laughs) April. (laughs) Who
1: cares? I I actually ended up doing better on the math portion of this, of the real GRE. But on the practice test, I scored super high on the verbal part. And then when I took the real test, I scored uh, 11 points less on verbal.
0: Interesting. Which is huge.
1: And I don't know why. Um, And I studied, but, you know. Nerves? I wasn't nervous.
0: You didn't blank out, you didn't have...
1: I had a couple questions where I got a little like, oh my God, what are they asking? Are they trying to trip me up? But I would say the same thing about the GRE questions. I really felt like if you're a a foreign student taking this test, I don't know how you would understand a lot of the questions that are asked because they seem very, very American-based. And they also seem white American-based.
0: It's very possible that they are.
1: Yeah, so I know that they're trying to change that, but I don't think that they've I mean, at least in my experience, I don't feel like they've changed it.
0: Hey, so do you have this thing when you take tests? I don't know, you said something about it where you feel like the people are being tricky. And it's yeah. like I would expect when I create tests for people, because I do onboarding for different companies. I, I don't try to trick them so much as get the answer. Like it's a, usually a straightforward answer. I often, in fact, put really obviously stupid answers because it's fun to make up like, oh, this would be funny if someone thinks that. Uh-huh. Um, for instance, I was taking the first uh quiz for real estate and someone put the answer as ark of the covenant and i'm like it's no (laughs) way it's ark of the covenant that made me happy it was a different kind of covenant anyway (laughs) the answer for that question but i i don't know what it is that i'm so suspicious of other test makers
1: yeah i'm super suspicious it's really funny well i do feel like there there are some kind of trick questions on here
0: yeah it's about reading comprehension so they maybe are trying to twist some things for you or
1: yeah, I, that's what, that's. I think so. I mean, I'm trying to think about tests I took as a kid. I was a good test taker as a kid, but I did terrible on the SAT and I did terrible on the GRE. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also tested pretty damn well, but getting through life that's a whole nother matter yeah that's what i thought was great about this iq section on adam ruins everything and also about super agers is that they're not testing the iq they're testing memory and how your quality of life and your functionality is really working which is super cool and focus on that rather than trying to be superior or get into mensa or something stupid
1: Right. Yeah. Who wants to be in Mensa? They all look like a bunch of boars. Blah.
0: I literally just called Mensa stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I feel
1: like I hang out with a pretty smart group of people. It'll be interesting to see like which one of us becomes super agers. Do you think you know any superagers?
0: agers? Uh, I don't know. I do know people that are worried about their memory. Uh, not quite over 80 yet, but worried about their memory loss. And yeah. after listening to her speak i started thinking well the type of memory loss that i'm seeing specifically with one person who i love i love you if you're listening uh is not necessarily extraordinarily different than your what you'd expect as memory loss at and at over a certain age um my Grandmother had dementia, uh, sundowners, and mm. that was a different kind of memory loss. It's a it's a bigger confusion. It's not just not knowing where things are, but it's it was not knowing what time she was in so much. Like there was oh, a wow. really big confusion. At one point, she was looking at me, talking to me. I love you, Rachel. Have you talked to Rachel lately? Like she was looking oh, at wow. me at. As me at that time and also thinking about me as a different me so there was like a almost a parallel universe it it kind of felt like that it felt like she was walking in two different times in her mind and uh, I also stayed with her for a week at one of the um, homes she was living in just to kind of keep an extra eye on her and and she would she would talk about my grandpa as if she were, if as if he were alive and like proc well, keeps leaving the light on and all this stuff. And so there's like, a...
1: well, that's really interesting because when, um, when people get to the end of life, I, uh, dealt with a bunch of hospice workers mm-hmm. and they would talk to me and they told me about what to expect when someone is dying or when they're very near to the end of their life. And they do seem to be living in parallel worlds.
0: Interesting.
1: So that is something that that happens to people as they're very close to death. So, I wonder if it's happening to other people farther out and they just kind of have these moments of in and out. They'll um, kind of just seem like they're in between these two
0: places. Well, that's definitely what it seemed like for my grandma. It's a really hard thing, uh, absolutely, and, and very scary to think about. Yeah. Not being able to locate your identity in space and time Mm -hmm. um but i think that there's also maybe there's a an argument and i'm not saying like don't think positively about aging well and and having good memory but maybe there's an argument to natural memory loss not being the worst thing on the earth either frustrating sure Yeah. But um, I think that we're all so afraid or so many people are afraid of specifically Alzheimer's and dementia. Sure. um, And and that is a scary thing to think about that any sign that we're not where we were at 20 with our memory starts to scare us. (laughs) Well,
1: thanks so much for bringing our attention to this issue and and for interviewing Emily.
0: I am so happy that she would talk to us about this. And I know that we always have these amateur discussions afterwards. But it was really cool and such an informative conversation. So again, Emily, thank you so much for talking to us. And if you are a super ager or you know, someone who is a super ager, who might want to take part in this study, um, I'm going to go ahead and put on our website contact information for who you'd reach out to at Northwestern University, and you can follow through on that. Great. All right, guys, thanks again for joining us. Until next week, I'm Rachel.
1: And I'm April. Bye.